Thought Leadership Studio. You're listening to Thought Leadership Studio, the podcast that helps you master high-level positive mass influence to create distinctive business niches, captivate an audience, grow your following, and change the game by changing the frame with strategic thought leadership. Thought Leadership Studio. Welcome back to Thought Leadership Studio. I'm your host, Chris McNeil, strategic thought leadership coach and consultant, and this is episode 42, How to Scale a Coaching or Consulting Practice, interview with Jessica Yarbrough, combining mindset, self-belief, and the right strategy for your coaching or consulting practice. Jessica has quickly developed a reputation of being one of the best business strategists for coaches and consultants who want to sell and scale ultra high-end services. Her background is in international business. She's built multiple companies, and she's a genius at showing entrepreneurs how to build an expert platform, rapidly raise their value, build credibility, and attract high-paying clients. Now, she specializes in helping like executives launch a coaching or consulting practice or scale it at a higher level or burst past barriers. But even if you're not in coaching or consulting, if you're in any kind of persuasion, PR, marketing, leadership, and I'm sure you are if you're listening to this podcast, what she has to say applies. She has tons of insight and enthusiasm to share. Now, if you're listening on an app, make sure you also go to the episode page. It's linked to in the episode description. And that has other resource links, including to a lot of Jessica's resources to check out as well. So without further ado, let's jump right into the interview. So I'm Chris McNeil, host of Fault Leadership Studio. And I'm sitting here uh, from one end of the United States to the other, from Charleston to San Diego, sitting here with Jessica Yarbrough, who's quickly developed a reputation of being one of the best business strategist for coaches and consultants who want to sell and scale ultra high-end services. Her background is in international business. She's built multiple companies and she's a genius at showing entrepreneurs how to build an expert platform, rapidly raise their value, build credibility and attract high paying clients. She loves teaching entrepreneurs how to grow their influence and make the income and impact they desire. Don't we all wanna do that? Welcome, Jessica. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. Well, it's great to be talking to you. Um, I can sense your positive energy already. Um, for our listeners, um, can you give us kind of a quick story of what inspired you? What was the pivotal moment that got you to decide to do what you're doing now with being kind of a meta coach, coaching coaches, I would say? <laughs> yeah. So it's, I'll give you the cliff notes version. You know, my background was in business. I did uh, build multiple companies, did some consulting in my early twenties, created a startup uh, in San Diego. And I ultimately walked away from it and went on a four year eat, pray, love journey where I traveled the world backpack, became a yoga teacher, said, Hey, I'm never going to go back to the business world. And uh, came back to the United States, ended up getting pregnant with my daughter at oh. another awakening because I didn't want to obviously struggle and <laughs> teaching yoga was wonderful, but it, you know, it was a more of a passion versus paying the bills. And so I had two options. One, I could go back and get a job 
However, I'd already been an entrepreneur and had that freedom. Um, or two, I could roll up my sleeves and build my own business. And so I built my company at zero, ground zero, you know, at a fi financially struggling at the time uh, while I was raising a daughter on my own. And I started doing done for you uh, marketing consulting services. I had a lot of success quickly. I had uh, friends saying, please, can you teach us what you're doing? Uh, and that's when I transitioned, you know, I, I do believe the, the adage, you know, give a man a fish, feed him for a day, uh, teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime. So rather than me getting behind the, going behind the curtains and pulling all the, the levers, I started to teach and empower. How do you do this on your own? And how do you assemble the team to help you get to where you want to go? And that was kind of the journey to where I am today. And you obviously help help coaches and consultants get the most bang for the buck. Yes. The, the get the most return on investment. The and don't we all deserve to maximize our the benefits we get from our hard work? How do, how do you see from a thousand yards away? Mm -hmm. How do you see the dynamics of somebody getting into coaching or consulting and getting traction, knowing they're going to get the most for it for the work they're putting into it. Well, that's a great question. I mean, most people start off and they have no idea what they're doing, right? You're kind of just throwing spaghetti against the wall, seeing what will stick. And I have carved out a fairly niche market in that I'm not working with say like a Starbucks barista who's like, okay, Jessica, help me become a six or seven figure coach or consultant. I work with people who have demonstrated experience in their field so, you know, they may not be entrepreneurs, they might be new to entrepreneurship, or maybe they're established and just stuck, but they've done this work, they have credibility, because my program is around accelerating you as an expert. So you still have to be an expert. I'm not going to teach you to be an expert. You have to have a background and experience to what you're doing. And many of the people that come to me have worked in a corporate world. They've been directors, senior level directors, all the way up to VPs and C-suite. But when it comes to how do I take that and translate this into a coaching or consulting business that I can attach six figures to my time and turn around and sell to companies, that's where there's a disconnect and that's where I come in. Uh, okay. So you're, you work with people who already have the expertise, they've got the experience, they know yes. how, how to get results, but maybe not how to maximize it in that context. Now, and I think this could be of interest to a lot of our listeners from mm -hmm. what I know about them. What, how do you see the relationship between creating media mm -hmm. um, for content marketing, for mm -hmm. awareness, for PR, um, creating media to sell, mm -hmm. and paid time as a consultant or coach? I mean, they're both extremely important, right? So 90% of the coaches and consultants that come to me that are either transitioning out or maybe they're established, they've been doing it 10 years, but they're stuck at 300,000, half million, 700,000 typically is the range that they come to me at um, when they're stuck is they have a fundamental communication issue. They are unable, they get results for their clients. Many of them have built a referral-based business, which is not scalable. You don't know when the next referral is coming in. Sure. Most of them have a complete lack of awareness of what the market is willing to pay and are severely undercharging. And they, they might've tried marketing, but gave up because they didn't know what they were doing, right? Like it didn't work. I posted a few times or whatever. Most of them have a fundamental communication issue. They do not understand how to effectively communicate their value in the marketplace, which comes down to 
your leads and sales and your ability to create expert authority. And so that is one of the areas that we work intensively with them on is how do you extrapolate your genius, like all that you can do, and how can you position that to raise your prices 2x to 10x, which is our average for our clients. And how do you then position yourself as best in class so that you can command top dollar and have clients raise their hand to work with you? So best in class, best in a niche. Yes. How, how do you help them define the niche to be best in? Because obviously if you go too broad, then you can't be everything to everybody. But if no. you go too narrow, there may not be a large enough customer base. Well, we got it. There has to be a large enough customer base. So that's one of the things you mentioned. Well, we definitely don't want to go too wide because one of the most common traps that keeps coaches and consultants back is called the trap of the generalist. Jack or Jill of all trades, master of none. Uh, it will keep you in the low six figures. And so in order to break out, we do need to specialize and narrow down on your market. And we can do that in a couple of different ways. I mean, one, sometimes process of elimination, like what do you not, who do you not like working with? Sometimes that's easier for people. We can knock out those industries, but typically where do you have experience? Those, those are the industries we're going to go after. It's harder to break into a new market. If your background is in healthcare or technology, we're typically going to go through the, with those companies or adjacent types of industries uh, as a niche. Okay. So if you, once you've identified a niche and you're, mm -hmm. you're like, okay, this is, this is my focus, you know what you don't want. Yes. Uh, and how do you address that? Are you focused more on helping them do inbound marketing or outbound marketing or mm -hmm. a combination of the two, or does it depend on the situation? Yeah. So typically what we do is we want to go deep into understanding their genius, uh, finding the most urgent pain that they can solve. Because when we're talking about selling a six-figure program, right, 180,000, 150, whatever it may be, 100,000, uh, the pain needs to be urgent. So we need to make sure that the market that they're going after has an urgent pain, right? We want to make sure that we're going after people that value time more than money, meaning they have very little time on their hands and they have a lot of money to solve, to throw at solving it, right? Those are the people that are going to buy ultra high end. And most how, do you, coaches, how do you know that? How do you discover that? Well, most coaches and consultants that are struggling, a lot of them are going after people that value money more than time. They don't have a lot of money. They're broke. They're struggling. They can barely scrape together a few hundred dollars to pay you or they need a payment plan on a $5,000 package, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. The problem with those is they, they don't have a lot of money. They have a lot of time. If you're going to sell those, there's nothing wrong with selling to that market. Those are the people that are going to want to take courses, DIY, right? If we're talking about selling six-figure programs and you're trying to market decision makers, CEOs, you know, uh, chief operating officers, chief revenue officers, uh, depending on what your market is, those are the people that have the most demand on their time and also can pull the purse strings uh, in terms of influencing the amount of money they can can go uh, invest in your services. So we want to go after those people and find what is the urgent pain. It cannot be a small cut, right? And you have a Band-Aid solution. They need to have a gash that is bleeding. <laughs> sure. And you need to, you are the tourniquet. So what we help them do is identify who is this person, understand deeply what those pains are, how they are stuck in this valley of pain, and what is that mountain of, of potential possibility they want to get to. We then codify your methodology, your step-by-step -step system for getting them to that promised land of the mountain. Sure. Your blueprint is the, is the guide, the map, and you become the Sherpa. So I'm getting right? a lot about, I guess, what I would call psychographics. 
Yes, but, a lot. And more so than the demographics, but the demographics seem simple if you know you're aiming at the C-suite. C-suite usually is what we go for. And I mean, we can filter LinkedIn. You know, I, I, I'm a big proponent of LinkedIn. You can filter data points like that is very easy. Mm -hmm. uh, the psychographics are where most people miss the mark. Gotcha. So the demographics, knowing who to go after is not so hard in terms of do they have the ability? Yes. Do they have the need? But then when you get into the need, then you've got the psychographic. And I'm um, seeing it sounds like you've got a, a map a system yes identifying so can you tell us um the stages of engagement of how would you work with a client on creating that map that psychographic map of the ideal client that they would work with and those those pain points how would you how would you define those well, it's, it's a combination. One, it's me. I work with my clients, deep dive into this process, and I'm, I've developed so many, I call it your pathway, and I've named and branded so many programs at this point. You know, I, I have deep insight into it. We also take the client's deep insight, and then we back it up with re research. So it's it's the, the, the trifecta of my knowledge, their knowledge, and the research that come together to create a really uh, amazing and powerful profile for this client. And then I also have a copywriter who's on my team who will help massage their messaging even more, take it that extra 10% so that they, their messaging becomes highly relevant. It's sticky uh, versus a lot of what you see out there, especially on LinkedIn, because that is the platform that we focus on. So many of the content out there is boring. It's generic. It's too academic. It's, you know, like leadership quotes, for example, that don't really tell anything about who you are, or the problems that you solve. So, I mean, the messaging is, is core to everything that we do and any messaging around, whether it's developing the solution or pitching, presenting that solution, we, we teach and we help our clients with. Yeah, obviously LinkedIn is a great platform for this kind of work. And uh, yes. I may have answered this already, forgive me if I'm being redundant, but when when using LinkedIn as a platform or other, other media, um, is the focus more on creating the content that will attract the inquiries or is it more on direct outreach to potential clients? Both, both. Because you don't want to do direct outreach without having something to say and without any expert authority, right? There's nothing for them to consume. And if your marketing is done right, you know, that's the heavy lifting for your sales. That's how people come pre-framed to buy. I always say 80% of sales happen before a call ever takes place. Mm -hmm. So you absolutely need to be building what I call your body of work online. Absolutely. Any expert out there, and you can rattle off names of the top gurus, they put out a ton of information to educate their audience on who they are. At the same time, you don't want to just educate people and hope that they magically find you right? You need to be actively building your audience of decision makers. So it's that combination of doing those things simultaneously that is essential to creating expert authority. Interesting. So you need the body of work, you need your manifesto out there, so to speak, in whatever form, uh, but you're not going to depend on that. You're not going to depend on just the organic. Um, mm -hmm. The organic well, needs that come from people consuming that, although I assume if you do that well, there will be some of that. But you're also there is. You do want to do the outreach. And then we t focus on organic and what I call OPT, other people's traffic as well. You can tap into oh. uh, getting books on podcasts, getting your name out there, you know, speaking. There's lots of things that you can do to pull that traffic in. 
And then I typically don't recommend ads until you're at a later stage in business. You need to have a fully functioning marketing and sales system built out before you engage with ads uh, in order to see a return. I would, I would agree with that. Absolutely. Get your organic game down really well first. And of course, we're, we seem to be talking about the same kind of thing we deal with with the podcast specifically is strategic thought leadership. Because mm -hmm. if you're going to be the go-to in a niche, that means you're practicing strategic thought leadership. You're leading people to em embrace your point of view. Absolutely. And how do you see your own niche? How would you describe your your own thought leadership model, for lack of a better term, in what you do for people? Yeah, well, I primarily work with B2B coaches and consultants. So strategist, um, strategist, leadership, executive, change management, organizational design, those kinds of folks, and B2C that are targeting more higher net worth professionals, so career coaches. And that's really the market that I play in. I've certainly helped life coaches and other types, but I don't work with those so much anymore. We're really targeted on professional services. Um, and then as far as what I help them do, it's really understand their genius, how to package, present it, and sell it, command top dollar for their time, uh, build something that is truly scalable so that they're able to hit the high six and even multiple seven figures and do that on their own terms. I'm getting a couple things from this. And, and one is you help people revere their own genius. Yes. And exalt it at a higher level and and maybe value themselves in their own work. And Very much so. To help psychologically break through any imaginary ceilings over their income. Do you typically find yourself dealing with people who are at a bottleneck and they're looking for an opening to that bottleneck because they've grown, they've grown, now they're stuck, they're stuck. Yes. Do something different and I might need someone on the outside to help me get a new perspective. Very much so. A lot of people come to me stuck. And like I said, it could be a 300, it could be a 700, it could be a 200, whatever it may be. And they cannot no longer do more to make more. We have to redesign their business model um, and their pricing and their marketing, their strategy, everything in order to elevate them. Which is the and other I, side. You, know, the yeah. side. you got the psychology of revere yourself at a higher level so that you feel you are worth it and you exude and you communicate that to Correct. your respective clients. But then you need the strategy in the execution of that strategy. You need both. You hit the nail on the head. We have to do both. And we do work uh, on clients with both. And look, the same things come up for people, even for my clients that held C-suite positions at major organizations. Like they still have the confidence issue, you know, that we have to work on. And, you know, when we codify their methodology, when we help them give them messaging that is relevant, when they have a product that they can get behind, their confidence level skyrockets. Interesting. So helping them have a product they can get behind. Can you tell us a story? Let's kind of bring this out of the abstract. This is all yes. fascinating to me, by the way. I love this stuff. Uh, but let's bring out the abstract with a story, sharing what, of course, you're comfortable sharing over a podcast. Sure, sure. Well, I have, I have one client, uh, Michelle. I have an in-depth case study. I think I included that on the, the links to you. Excellent. And when she came to me, she was stuck bouncing between quarter million to 300,000 um, for three years. And she tried a lot of things, you know, like the webinar and Facebook ad coaching programs and all these things. And it just, it wasn't moving the needle. It was a lot of work. And she was exhausted. She's like, I don't want to keep launching and do the, doing these things. 
Um, when I went in there and, and saw what she was able to do, I said, you know, we can make you number one in your industry. And we did. <laughs> she is number one in her industry now. Awesome. And what we did was we we created her group program, which I believe she was charging around $2,000 a year for. We totally changed her pricing, her business model, obviously built more value into the program as well, moved that to 25,000. By the end of the first year working together, her group program was 42,000. That group program alone became a seven-figure income stream in her first year. Interesting. Um, and so she's now had, I mean, she has back-to-back, -back, this is her fourth seven, be her fourth seven-figure year that she's had so much that she was able to even like take funds and start another company. She created a whole app that she could sell to customers uh, out who, you know, outside of the coaching realm. So it's been a pretty amazing experience. And that's just one example. I mean, I, I've, I've had clients come to me. One of them was a former, uh, chief compliance officer for a hospital. So, you know, dealing with compliance laws, you know, <laughs> healthcare is like a nightmare around that. And he wanted out, he was burnt out working 60 hour weeks. And he said, okay, I've done, I've been doing about 50,000 a year in this kind of side hustle, playing in entrepreneurship, but I want to, I want to make multiple six figures, replace my salary and get out of this. Um, and so he dove in, he invested, we created his programs, uh, his, uh, to go after, um, healthcare centers and he created 120,000 and $180,000 package. Uh, he did 400,000 in sales in month four of working with me. Well, if you got $180,000 packages, you don't have to sell that many of them. To do exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and that's, that's the thing about the ultra high end. It's not a volume based business. So whether you're someone who's selling to individuals like Michelle, or whether you're selling to companies and you only need four clients a year to like make an impact, it works. And it was a great story because he was able to let, you know, to give his notice, obviously he gave plenty of time and Mm -hmm. exited out, you know, and made sure there was someone there to come in and uh, be able to take over because he cared about his company. And, uh, but he did it. He, he replaced his income. Well, you, you're making me think of a, one of my gurus, Jay Abraham, who I really like in marketing. And he initially became famous because he charged $5,000 an hour when that was a lot of money, um, 20, 30 years ago. And use that as a platform to sell five thousand to twenty five thousand dollars seminars, all with money back guarantee. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it made it easy for people to accept that. But he be, he became renowned for being able to charge that much. Do you see a psychology when someone raises their price that the market reveres them at a higher level because they're establishing their worth there? Or one thousand percent, <laughs> of course, because no one expects the cheapest coach to be the best or consultant and no one expects the best to be the cheapest, right? There right. is psychology behind it. You know, it's why, you know, a great example of this is one of my clients came to me. She was a former attorney and, you know, her genius is sophisticated, but for some reason she had positioned herself to go after a lower level market. I've actually helped several clients where they just, they kind of get caught and they're in this like lifestyle coaching model. And so she was selling her group program for 5,000. Uh, to try to get newbie kind of entrepreneurs to to make money. And no one was doing the work. She was so frustrated. She's like, I'm pouring my heart and soul and no one's doing the work. And I'm like, well, they're paying five grand. They're, you know, I, I mean, honestly, when I had smaller programs, I've had people pay me 2,500, five grand and, and literally like show up to two calls and disappear. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's funny uh, what people do. 
And I told her, why don't we position you? You know, you've obviously got a greater genius. Let's go after a more sophisticated market. Let's go after more established um, uh, models, you know, uh, businesses. And she ended up, we put together a $25,000 program. She did a, a little small launch, short up, you know, uh, about six clients in a two-week period. So nice, more money than she was making the previous year combined. And guess what? Those clients immediately started getting results in her program. I'm like, yeah, they're more sophisticated. They're more committed. They just paid you 25 grand. They want to get a return on that investment. And so then all of a sudden, she poured her heart and soul into these people. And now they got results. Now that elevated her credibility because she had more case studies, bigger case studies. And it was night and day to that $5,000 investment where people don't even show up the calls or do the work. Yeah, it makes sense. And I'm hearing a lot about the development of clear packages. Mm -hmm. So do you see a phenomenon in coaching and consulting where somebody hasn't consolidated their work into a clear enough package to say, well, here's what I do, but they let themselves kind of flex to meet the needs of people who may not be their ideal client because they haven't been clear enough. Yes. With the filtering that a clear package can do to attract just the right kind of client. Clear package and clear messaging. I mean, your messaging should repel people that are not your ideal client. You shouldn't be on the phone with them and it should magnetize the people that are the perfect fit, but you absolutely do need to have clarity. And I would say that clarity and confidence are two of the things, clarity, confidence, communication, it's all C's, mm -hmm. sure, <laughs> are sure. what people struggle with, right? <laughs> because when you have, if you don't have clarity, you're not confident, right? And your communication will reflect that. When you're clear, you're confident, you have great communication. And then when you uh, communicate effectively, you get great people on the phone. And then because you're confident and you're clear on your solution and how to present that package, you know, how to present how you solve and what's all entailed, that is a transference of confidence that creates certainty in the buyer, right? So without clarity and confidence, you're, you're, you're going to miss the mark on, on leads and sales. Absolutely. And, and the system, a clear system is what I'm yes. seeing too. And out in a big picture kind of way, how would you describe the components of a good marketing system for a coach or consultant? Mm -hmm. That's a great maybe, question. Maybe in terms of concentric circles is how I think about it sometimes. Yeah, well, there's three areas that we focus on with the marketing, and I'm not getting into systems. I'm just talking about pure three areas of the marketing engine. Uh, building your audience, messaging, like communication, right, and positioning. So th that trifecta is really the marketing that people need to dial in. How you're perceived, what you're saying, and who's listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and if we're talking about high dollar coaching, and, and I know there's got to be some outbound as part of that typically, because if you just wait on the organic, it might not be fast enough. And yes. Organic is certainly important, but um, it, it may not be enough. What are the typical, well, two questions, the typical stages of engagement mm -hmm. with an ideal client, the, that first touch, that second touch, that third touch. Do you mm -hmm. see a pattern emerging of an ideal sequence of touches that brings about the best clients? And as part of that, or maybe separate from it, how do you see the role of actually having a really engaged social audience? Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I think they're both important. I mean, most of the time when you're talking about the bigger the deal, the more complex the the sales process, right? There's going to be more, more touch points. Sure. It's different than clicking on an ad where it's a $27 course and you're like, okay, I'll take that. You're an ebook or something, or even getting on a call where it's several grand and you can make a decision right there. It's not a big deal. Um, you know, my clients who sell to companies, it is a multi-step sales process and more formal versus my clients who sell to individuals. Even if it's on the higher end, they can do that typically over the phone, but there is a multi-step process to create awareness, to create engagement, to drive to book calls, to engage before the call, to have the call, to engage after the call. And again, just the, when you're talking about selling to organizations, it's just more steps yep. and longer sales cycles, yep. but bigger money on the end. So that's the thing you have to weigh. It's like some of my clients, they get into these companies and they'll have recurring, you know, $200,000 contract with one client. It's like, oh, that client's going to keep paying them 200,000 every year. And so it is a beautiful thing to work with companies, you know, and play the long game uh, for some of these deals, because that lifetime of value of that client can be half a million, million dollars. What do you see as essential media for a high dollar coach or consultant to have? Do you think they really have to have written a book or no. a series of eBooks or be a you, regular you don't blogger? Have, you don't have to have written a book. Uh, I think that is, we all feel like we have to have a book, right? That's kind of like, it's being advertised by a book. You don't have to have a book. A book can help establish thought leadership for sure, um, but you can certainly put out content. You can put out videos. You can have a podcast. There are so many ways to create expert authority. Like you don't have to have a book. You can have many you know, different ways to create authority. I mean, and we know that we've seen success stories of, you know, like John Lee Dumas is a great example, right? Who's like, I'm going to do a podcast every day, skyrocketed him into fame. Mm -hmm. Right. And he grew his business from that. We know, we know people like Tony Robbins grew his business from speaking. Any, anybody would listen to him. He'd go into a room and speak. Right. So there's anybody, anytime anyone's like, you have to have this, it's the one thing I'm like, no, there's many different ways. And there's examples. What you need to do is find something that is aligned with your market, something, uh, and, and not invest too heavily into doing something until you validated it. I've had several clients come to me from book writing programs and they wrote the book for the wrong audience. They wrote their, they wrote the book for where the level they're at, not for the level they wanted to go. Does that make sense? And then their book is no longer relevant. And they're like, oh, I spent whatever, 10,000, 15, 50,000 in some of these best-selling book writing programs. Right. And it's not even relevant anymore. Now, is that a loss? No, it's a lesson learned. Fine. So if anybody comes to me in there, I had two clients come, top paying clients uh, last year that were in the middle of a book. I made them stop what they were doing. I was like, stop the book. Don't write another page. Let's figure out your communication and then go back and write the book. And then the book will be successful. So that's why I'm a little bit hesitant around books. I think they can be effective, but you have to have your communication dialed in. You have to be going for that next level version of you and not just marketing in the current lane that you're in. I would agree with that. And and it's like, if you haven't matured your, in, in our language, thought leadership position, if you haven't matured the mental models that you're leading an audience to, and if they're not based on clear insight, yes, uh, then the book can be premature because you feel you have to have a book, but maybe a book will just kind of 
emerge and feel natural because it just kind of pours out of you once you get your thinking to that level. Yes, exactly. Which, which brings up a concern I'm hearing from, from guests and clients mm -hmm. and, and business contacts about the role of AI. I have my own concerns mm. about it and also and related ghostwriters. Mm -hmm. So somebody wants to be positioned as a thought leader and to me, a lot of the value of creating content is you have to evolve your own thinking to create something someone else can assimilate and be empowered by. Yes, I agree. And maybe maybe there's right ways and wrong ways to do it. We need to dive down a little bit. But to me, if you don't hire a ghostwriter the right way, you might be skipping the process that helps you evolve your thinking that would make you more effective at working with yes. you. Yes, because not everybody, is, we might have great ideas, but not everybody is effective at breaking those down into simple digestible models, like you said, or frameworks, or um, not everyone's a teacher. So some people are, are very, like, I will tell you, there is a percentage of clients that come to me and then I'm like, you're a writer. And then there's a percentage that's not. And they, the ones that are not have to outsource it. They have to. They work in conjunction with some with someone to help them. But you're either right or you're not. And so again, if you're if if you've skipped that process and you're trying to do it yourself, it's there's a lot of books out there that flop. Right. Sure. So if you want to move the needle, you either need to be a writer, you typically need to be a writer and still work with an expert. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, for at least the strategy part or the strategy and then the actual writing, you know, execution of the writing as well. Yeah, I can see the role of the ghost writer for those that aren't natural writers helping someone evolve their mental models, their thoughtship. Yes. If they are great interviewers and know how to pull out of people yes. the distinctive ways of thinking that are empowering to their audience and maybe help them package it a little better. Yes. But it's still help just helping them give birth to their unique thinking in a way that can be assimilated by more people. It's a little stickier if that makes yes. sense on the front end. I agree. And, which um, what do you think about AI for writing? So, I mean, my team has certainly played around with chat GPT. Um, I feel like you need to be a prompt master uh, to get it right. We are using right. it for, for some, some things in our business. Uh, for example, um, I put out YouTube videos. And so if it's around SEO keyword research or writing some descriptions, things like that, we will use it for. Uh, we... I know my team is pouring into chat. I have a huge body of work. So they're pouring this information in there and I'm sure that we can use it for more and more things going forward. I still love, I'm a writer and I love writing, right? And I love pouring my thoughts onto paper and I love speaking. So I still do writing myself um, and I don't see, feel like I would ever completely let that go to a machine. Yeah. So, no, but- for some people, you know, I know people are trying to fully integrate every aspect in. To me, there's still, there's a human element that's missing. Uh, it still comes off as a bit robotic. I know it's evolving. I'm excited to see like where it comes in the future. Um, but I also believe in the energy and tension behind when you're writing and putting something out. So like that element is missing as well. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And well, certainly if you're using it to create an end product and I've, I've speculated how, what's the role of AI in, if we look at it through the mental model of Noam Chomsky, who calls it um, auto-reply on steroids, mm. or um, 
he's also called it, uh, I'm trying to think what is it he said, um, high-tech plagiarism. Mm. <laughs> or of course, it's harvesting. All yes, this, it is harvesting all data. This, all this thinking that people have done without necessarily giving them credit. And I wonder how much that's going to disrupt or is it going to disrupt, it's certainly going to change the models of leaders and organizations who've depended on search engine traffic for people asking search engines questions that would lead them to their content. I mean, it's going to change everything. Data. Yeah. Now, now the last chat GPT that may or may not lead them to them, unless it's really robust in the face of AI like if you're Seth Godin and somebody asks AI, what is an idea virus? And it referenced Seth's book. I've tried to see right. that. And, and it seems there are ways to package your thinking in a way that AI will reference you, but it seems to be hard work and you have to have a lot of traction to get to that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think none of us know how things are truly going to change with this, with the emergence of technology. Um, I think there is going to be problems that come up around plagiarism and copying and Certainly, even without AI, I experience that a lot, you know, uh, where mm -hmm. someone will say, oh, man, you know, I went through someone's things and uh, or she says a lot of the same things as yours. And I'll look at her stuff and I'll be like, I know who this person is. They, they are plagiarizing my stuff. Yes. So it still happens, you know, only now it's going to happen on a larger scale. And there might even it might be happening uh, unintentionally. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they just put something in the chat GPT. They weren't trying to copy and chat GPT pulled that from your site. They pulled that from your LinkedIn article. And now this person is saying that that is theirs. Uh, so. that, that, well, that makes me really revere people like you who've done a good job of creating clear enough models. And the way yeah. you describe how you help people with content marketing, I think, is is really um, explanatory in a way that can lead people back to you. Uh, well, and, I hope so. <laughs> well, and, and I think we have to do that now uh, because if, yes. we're not, if we're not, like say, it can get plagiarized by AI, and but maybe we can make models that are robust in the face of AI by making sure we get enough traction. So I've, I've got this uh, thing going on. Where we're trying to find out how much traction do you have to have for AI to reflect your work back to you. Yes, that's we're we're curious about that, and we haven't seen enough right now uh, for it to be like, okay, this is completely my voice, and and again, it's learning, and it, and maybe it, it will one day. Uh, I don't know. Time will tell. Well, thinking about our audience, entrepreneurs, coaches, thought leaders, um, consultants, what would be your top three recommendations if someone is listening to this and they're thinking, you know, I'm kind of stuck where I'm at. I have grown my practice grown my business and it's done well, but I would like to get it to the next level. And I seem to be pushing against the wall. I need to do something different. What, what can the, what are some ideas on what we can do immediately to break past that? And also what are the best ways for people to reach out to you if they decide they want you to help them? And um, I would definitely say fix your pricing. That's one of the, <laughs> the number one things to do. Uh, if you want to change your income, uh, number two, take control of your calendar. If not, it's going to control you. I mean, I have I have complete control now at this point and it took me years to get there, but that also makes a big difference because if you're so busy that you can't work on strategy for the business, then uh, you have to solve that problem if you want to break through to the next uh, income level. And then the other one would be definitely hire a strategist. So many people try to figure things out on their own. 
and you can't see the forest for the trees, yeah, right? DIYing it is not going to get you where you want to go. It's not. I don't know anybody who's figured, who's cracked the code without having an outside expert. And the beautiful thing about an outside expert is they can see something from 30,000 feet and they can find the gaps and close them quickly and that will fold time for you. And that's how you get those multiple six-figure leaps. So those three things would be the immediate action I would take. Fantastic. And how would people find you if they wanted to Def find you? Yeah, definitely find me on LinkedIn. Uh, hit me up, Jessica Yarbrough. You'll find me. I'm, I put out content every single day that you can consume that's value-based. Um, send me a DM and let me know you heard me on the show, so I'll accept. You can also follow me on YouTube. We put out a video, a training video every single week. Um, and be sure to download my resources. I've got a great guide at jessicayarbrough.com forward slash influence uh, that I've I've, I poured that from my, it was one of those days where it was like, boom, and I sat down to my computer and I wrote something that had been on my heart and had been forming for several years around the four levels of influence and what it takes to successfully grow your authority um, and scale, scale your influence and ultimately your income. That's awesome. And for those listening on app, I'm going to put links to all this on thoughtleadershipstudio.com on the episode page that will be linked to in the episode description. This has been very motivating and enlightening, Jessica. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Thought Leadership Studio. And now, for a quick word from our sponsor, Fifth Level Web. Are you tired of your company's online presence falling short of your expectations? Look no further than Fifth Level Web, the web development and internet marketing company that makes the internet turnkey for companies with $5 million to $100 million in sales. At Fifth Level Web, we have high-level tech experts on hand to ensure quick response times and top-notch service. Our team will work with you to create a compelling message and web presence that sets you apart from the competition. Establishing your company as a market leader with the thought process of strategic thought leadership. But don't just take our word for it. Try us out for free. Head to fifthlevelweb.com forward slash TLS. That is the number five, TH. L-E-V-E-L-W-E-B dot com forward slash T as in thought, L as in leadership, S as in studio. Head to fifthlevelweb.com forward slash TLS to claim your web analysis and consultation and see the difference Fifth Level Web can make for your business. Let us help you cut through the clutter and achieve online success today. The link 
is in the episode description, as well as on the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com. So this wraps up episode 42, how to scale a coaching or consulting practice interview with Jessica Yarbrough. This is Thought Leadership Studio. I'm your host, Chris McNeil, Strategic Thought Leadership Coach and Consultant. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you check out the episode page if you're listening on an app. It is linked in the app description and it has links to resources like Jessica's website, blog, and free resources like Marketer's Guide to Strategic Thought Leadership to help you with the building blocks of your own thought leadership. So thanks again for listening. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Thought Leadership Studio.